Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you like back hair, I'm all in. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. It's, it's a situation that until you find yourself in, um, you never really know what to do. You know, I, I, I wish I had done more. Um, do you regret not standing up and telling someone on the 2017 that he just needs to stop? Um, I mean, I, I regret everything. You know, I, I, I regret that we were in this situation. Um, and we shouldn't be. At that meeting last night, the players showed, you know, tremendous uh, remorse and sorrow and, and embarrassment for their families, their organization, uh, the city of Houston and for baseball. And uh, I am just want to ask for, uh, you know, the world, the baseball world, you know, to forgive them for the mistakes that they've made. Okay, did you guys hear, like, the five or ten seconds after that clip of Dusty Baker this morning at that awkward press conference? I did not. Well, he, I probably did and don't remember it. He, he looked around and he goes, do I have to answer questions? <laughs> or can I go sit down? You know what? I'd the, be at- the idiot PR guy's like, no, just sit down, please. I'd be asking the same question if I was Dusty Baker. Do I have to answer questions? Because I had nothing to do with this. Do I have to answer yeah. questions or are you idiots going to do it? Why, he was, why most, was he up there? He was the most carefree, yeah. fun-loving guy up there. Big, like He sits down and it's this, it's this very solemn, serious vibe because we're about to get, supposedly, <laughs> answers. And we're going to get to throw questions at these cheaters in this big scandal. And Dusty Baker sits down. He's got a big smile. He's pointing at people he knows in the media. Like, yeah. I'm back, baby. This is great. But, I mean, I feel bad for him because he was hired as a complete patsy. He's a patsy. He's here to babysit the situation. Yeah, it's... He is not here to manage a baseball team. Like, anything he does that has to do with actual baseball is ancillary. Yes. He is here as, as, and I hate to say it because I think he's probably a good guy, but he's here as sort of the doddering old man uh, who's go- going to be the, the guy in the sitcom who moves in to take care of the kids. Yeah. Well, he, that's what his job is. He has, as, as, and Rami probably the same way. Like, I, the Cubs are my National League team, and I'll never forgive what he did to Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor 15 years ago, or at least the perception of what he did. But the biggest I think, of all the different Astros that talk today, and by the way, Sage Football Wisdom in about 30 minutes from now, 10 days of Twins Talk at 5 o'clock. We'll get Wetmore on from Fort Myers in other news today. It'll be a fun show on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. I think the most noteworthy exchange of the whole 
press conference or all of the different media availability today, when Astros owner Jim Crane said initially he didn't think the cheating impacted the games or impacted the World Series, and he used the he he, he used the phrase it did not have any impact on. And Jeff Passan, wonderful reporter from ESPN, fifty seconds later says, "Actually, I want to follow up there. Did you say that?" It had no impact on the result of games? And like verbatim, he said it had no impact. And he had, oh, I didn't say it had no impact. 50 seconds before. So when I first heard that exchange, I thought, this guy, does he, does he think we are all that stupid and foolish? Does he, is, he, is he that arrogant to think that even though they put together potentially a multi-year elaborate scheme to use technology and put secret TVs in the dugouts and to have a secret trash bang uh, sounder and maybe even buzzers, all these things. Does he, re- does he really think that we are to believe that, is he that arrogant to think that we are to believe that it had no impact on winning? And then I heard this exchange. I'm going to play this for you guys. And a new thought came into my mind. All right, this is Marley Rivera from ESPN following up on the notion that it had no impact. I mean, no one can really prove that it had an impact, right? So how is it that it doesn't affect competition? So then what are you guys apologizing for? Um, we're p- apologizing because we broke the rules. But isn't sign stealing a distinct advantage for the hitter, so doesn't it automatically impact competition? It, it, it could possibly do that. It could possibly not. Here's my theory on this. Call it a conspiracy theory, I guess. I suppose if it's a conspiracy theory, then we should probably fire up the official Mackie and Jeb with Rami conspiracy theory music here. Can I guess? Your conspiracy theory is Jim Crane is a terrible person. No. Oh, okay. All right. That's my theory. I mean, that's... Okay. That is a theory. Okay. That's my theory. So so your theory is the same one that I've had all day long. And mm-hmm. I, by the way, I'm not moving off of that theory okay. either. Okay. All right. That he's a terrible human. Uh-huh. He's arrogant. He thinks that by having billions of dollars and power that he can just move forward, as he said a million times today, and we'll all just stop asking questions, Mm -hmm. right? Or is it that he knows the Dodgers in the 2017 World Series and the Yankees in last year's playoffs were doing it too? And when he's asked the question, well, wouldn't the Astros hitters have had a distinct advantage in those games and series against the Yankees and the Dodgers? His answer would be, well, I'm not sure if it's an advantage. And what he didn't say is, because the other teams were doing it too. Is that possible? That's what popped into my mind when I heard that Marley Rivera exchange. And really, the Astros are taking the fall for five or eight teams. And Jim Crane kept his mouth shut about the Dodgers and the Yankees today. What do you guys think? Is is he... No, I think he's off his rocker. Okay. And, and as I wrote today for scorenorth.com, if I'm baseball starting today, I'm. Scorenorth app too, Judd. Thank you very much. Yeah, no free to download. Free, totally free. I move to strip him of the club. And and I, I know that Rami would like to take the World Series title away, which I'm fine with talking about, but I would move to. And, and here's why. To me, there's two huge strikes here. All right, this is an enormous strike. They cheated their way. And if the Yankees and Dodgers and other teams also cheated, which I certainly could see as being plausible, I am more than happy to discuss the potential impact there as well. 
But the two strikes on Crane to me and why I would move to, if I owned a team, kick him out of my club today, is because of this and also dating to last fall in the playoffs when his assistant GM uh, basically mocked, ridiculed, or intimidated a a female reporter wearing that domestic violence uh, bracelet by saying, I'm so glad we got Roberto Osuna. I'm so... And, ba- and then the Astros, their organization came out and after it was written about by, I believe her name is Stephanie Epstein of Sports Illustrated, said that she had basically overblown the story, that she had mischaracterized it, and a ton of people were like, oh no, she got it exactly right. I would move to kick him out of my club today. And that's why. It's the whole thing. And then if we find out more teams cheated, let's talk about that too. But what the Astros did today, the hubris and and the, it's just, it disgusts me. As a baseball fan, I'm just disgusted. But if it, if it was hubris, and I, and I think just, just to highlight again, either the Astros came out today and gave a bunch of half-hearted, half-assed apologies and explanations. There was a couple guys that I think, like Carlos Correa had some comments. Yeah, that, who they didn't, why didn't they have those guys go to the podium, by the way, instead of having Bregman, who is about as sincere as uh, a wet towel? But the reason why you wouldn't be sincere is if, the unspoken part of it is true, which yeah, is, right. listen, there's 10 teams doing this, you idiots. We're not going to apologize for this. The Dodgers were doing it in the World Series, and we just did it better, or we got luckier, or whatever. Or now we're caught. But, but like, <laughs> that to me, like, th- that's the only, unless you are that arrogant yes. and that dense. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. You're giving them too much credit. And I'm not saying that other teams aren't cheating. But you're giving Jim Crane and the Houston Astros and Major League Baseball at large too much credit to think that that's what's going on here. It is just that arrogance, Phil, to think that, and this is an epidemic in society now, to think that you can not only lie, but not even try that hard with your lies. And we're all dumb enough to just nod our head and believe you. Like that's that's what that's that's the Astros policy that has been their policy going back to what Judd talked about with that incident during the ALCS. That's what they did then, and that's what they're doing now. They lie right to your face. They tell you lies that are easily proven untrue and expect you to believe them. That's part of what annoys me most about this is that arrogance, that you think I'm that dumb, that you can lie to me like a child. Kids are easy to lie to. You can tell a kid in the middle of the day, no, we can't go to McDonald's. It's closed. They're dumb. They'll buy it. Yeah, kids are idiots. Kids I mean, are on. not that smart. <laughs> I take offense to that. If my parents had told me at noon on a Wednesday McDonald's was closed, I would have said no. They're not. I mean, Jonathan, how old is your how old is your son? He's four. Is he, he an idiot? He's an very, idiot, right? Well, he's not an idiot. He can be tricked very easily. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's an idiot. He's yeah, just but, very gullible. But not by what time a McDonald's closes. <laughs> oh no, that kid knows when McDonald's closes. I'm exactly. just saying. You don't have to put a lot of effort into your lies when you're talking to a no. kid. Even if they're smart for their age, they buy some BS. Man, I'm a grown ass man. I have a college degree. I'm not that smart, but I'm not dumb enough to buy you saying two different things in back-to-back sentences, Jim Crane. I'm not that stupid. That's what annoys that's I can't say that's what annoys me the most, but that's up there on my list of things that annoy me about this whole Astro. Actually, thing. that's a good segue. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. We've got a pie chart of praise on the Mackie and Job with Rami show. We've got a pie chart of blame on the Mackie and Job with Rami show. This is a new pie. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. That we are unveiling here. For the rest of this segment, the pie chart of annoyance. What are the things and how much quantity filling up your pie chart of annoyance? What are the things that annoyed you the most about the Astros addressing the media in air quotes today before spring trading? 
Mine, Jonathan, you could fire up some NFL music for this. It would be. I'll give you. I'll give you a rare, a rarity for Judd Zolgad because ordinarily I like a lot of pieces of pie. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I like to divvy up that pie into lots of different slices, but I'm going to give you one here. 100% Jim Crane. This is the you need to, and this is why I think that baseball should kick him out of its club. This starts at the top. This is as big a group of morons as this group can be. In this sense, the NCAA has the term right. This is a lack of institutional control completely. And Jim Crane can tell me he didn't know about this. Jim Crane can say that he didn't know his assistant GM was going to uh, try and intimidate a woman wearing a bracelet on purpose about domestic violence, which last time I checked, we don't laugh about or ridicule or mock. It's a very serious thing. I mean, as far as a human level thing, that was more upsetting as far as a human being thing than this is. Um, But this is all Jim Crane. This is his baby. This is his. It starts with him. And as far as I'm concerned now, it ends with him and not Jeff Lunau, not A.J. Hinch, not anybody else. This is the guy doing the hiring. And by the way, this is still a team that employs two people who we know for a fact were intimately involved with the entire cheating scheme, including the intern who dreamed it up. Okay, I'm giving 100 percent of this to Jim Crane and I'm throwing the pie in the garbage. Wow. Right in the garbage. I'm a perfectly gonna, good pie? Yeah. Wow. Yep. I got to be really... The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I got to be really you know angry to it? throw a perfectly old, good pie into the garbage. Old school trash compactor. That's where I'm throwing I it. I can't tell you the last time I've been angry enough to throw away a perfectly good pie. Mackie, ever? I'm on Rami's side with this. Yeah, especially if it's pecan. I'm not letting Jim Crane put a perfectly good pie to waste, all right? He's not- this is the Jim Crane pie, though. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> It, nah, I'm, I, all right. I'm back on Judd's side. It's crane I'm, flavored, I'm, and it's oh, going in the compactor. No, no, no. The Rock no, knows how I you feel about that. pie. I don't want any of that, man. Oh, exactly. No. See, okay. Well, I had to. I had to give you guys a mental image of what I'm talking about. Okay. We all got to throw this pie away. Okay. Jim that, crane pie, huh? That pie you can throw away. One hundred percent, probably. Um, all right, so I have to come up with a pie chart of annoyance. Yeah, what are the things that annoyed you the most? So this about can the be Astros things. Team? It's not it doesn't have to be people. This can be things. Yep. All right. Okay. Like my, mine is mine is less about people and more about things. Okay. Just just the cheating and the black eye on the game that it is. That alone is like thirty percent. That's thirty percent of my pie chart right there. See, I'm actually more annoyed, probably times ten. By the Astros handling and reaction to the, the the cheating itself, than I am the cheating itself. I'm getting there. Thirty percent is the, the Astros' handling of it and the arrogance of it. Like I just said, to not only lie but not even put much effort into your lies because you think I'm an idiot. That that pisses me off. Anytime somebody does that to me, that really pisses me off, dude. If you're gonna lie to me, put some effort into the lie. Put some thought into it. You better have a backstory. You better have some way to corroborate it. Like something, something, so that if I do the least bit of fact checking on you, I, I won't crack it. Like with the first question that I ask, I'm not gonna crack your lie. Try a little bit harder when you're lying to my face. Jim Crane and the Houston Astros. So that's 30%. 40% of this, most of my anger about this, falls on Rob Manford and his whole handling of this and possibly being a co-conspirator in the cover-up of this since it came to light almost three years ago. Because you can't tell me that Rob Manford, for two and a half years, while whispers about this were going around baseball, 
rampantly going around baseball. He never caught wind of it and was able to conduct a conversa- uh, 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 an investigation the likes of which The Athletic launched. The Athletic beat you in the investigation game of your own sport. They had to unearth this and make you do something about it. This is the Roger Goodell playbook where you know something is going wrong and you do nothing about it until the media brings it to light and there's public reaction. And then you don't react to the actual crime that was committed. You react to public reaction. That's that's the best case scenario for Rob Manfred. Worst case scenario is that he's been covering it up for the last two or three years because he didn't want the black eye of cheating on on the on the sport of baseball and he's made that black eye ten times bigger with the way that he's handled it. So forty percent of it falls on on Rob Manfred and his handling of this whole thing and possibly being the co conspirator of this whole thing the whole time. And to your point, Rami, Jim Crane and Rob Manfred have both said that the accountability for this cheating scandal falls on leadership. Falls on the general manager and the manager, AJ Hinch that these players fell victim to poor leadership. I believe that was a direct quote today from Jim Crane, that these, wait, why weren't the players punished? Because we feel like the players fell victim to poor leadership. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was the standard of proof in a court of law, too, where, listen, I know that uh, I just robbed five banks and I've got uh, a trunk full of methamphetamines, but my boss is a bear at work, yep. and yep. I don't know. My boss is a disaster. My I just, parents didn't raise me right. Right. So, And how do you go into the investigation unless you just want to do as little damage as possible in terms of the product that you put on the field? How do you go into that investigation by telling the perpetrators of the crime, the cheaters themselves, the guys who designed and hatched this plan and reaped the benefits of it, you tell them you get immunity? You're off scot-free. You're off the hook with no punishment whatsoever. If you just talk to us, how about you start with, if you talk to us, we might not ban you for life. How about that's where those negotiations start? At, you're getting at least 80 to 100 games, but cooperate and you won't be banned for life. Yeah. That's where those talks should start. Not you're off scot-free. That's the most ridiculous thing about this whole thing. And that's what tells me that Rob Manfred is either part of this conspiracy and the cover-up, or he just wants to sweep it under the rug, doing as little damage as possible to the product that people are going to view on the field and on their TVs. To Phil's point, I think what scares them and what should scare them and what they likely know but don't don't want to talk about is it's widespread. It's probably 8 to 12 teams. And they're, Rob Manfred, I, I told Rami this today on a Score North Live, Noon to two. Sorry, I'm all fired up. Weekdays, noon to two. Okay. Score North app. Score North dot com. Rob Manfred's there, Phil. I believe in that job and will keep that job to stage what is going to be a lengthy lockout. I think he's going to be the bad guy, and I think we're not going to see baseball for a year or two. God. He's going to try. He's going to try and do the impossible. I you think. Say Break a, the players. Two, two years. You think we don't have baseball what for I'm like two years? Sa- what I'm saying is, uh, among players' association associations in all of sports. Baseball's always had the best one. Like, football is the weakest. Basketball, I think, is okay. Hockey is okay. Baseball's always been very, very strong. I think he is in place here to try and break them as much as possible. So I think that we're going to have at least a year without baseball, and I won't be surprised if it spills into a second year. Because keep in mind, the only reason why they came back to work in 95 was I think they got an injunction, and a judge forced them back to work. But the point being is Rob Manfred's not there to care about baseball. He's not there to care about people. He's not there to care about the integrity of the game. He's there to make these guys more money. And so I think Rob Manfred and baseball probably have a very good idea of how deep this whole thing runs, and I think it would probably knock our socks off. And and I have to say today, 
Beyond, I mean, the Astros thing drives me crazy, but as a baseball fan, they're trying to destroy themselves, and I really think, and I love this sport, they are working their hardest to lose people like me, which is working really hard. It's too bad, too, because baseball actually had its first really exciting offseason in a long time in terms of winter moves and big contracts, and money was just being thrown out three weeks into free agency, and here we sit here, and instead of talking about Garrett Cole and the Yankees, and can the Yankees get back to being the evil dynasty and the twins and the Bomba squad. We sit here and we talk about banging trash cans. Answer me this one question. How, when this whole thing uh, came out, and we are, are we now a month and a half or two months removed from... The athletic from, report? No, no, from the firings of A.J. Hinch and the quote-unquote findings. I think it's like a month, somewhere in there, yeah. How did you not call players back at that time, call Jim Crane back and say, we have to do this before spring training? Like, how stupid are you? Just fundamentally stupid. Are you to allow this to happen as spring training starts? Well, actually, so let me buzz through this quick. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Because I have, I have, I have two pieces of pie. One of them is like 20%. The other one's 80%. The 20% is what you just said. Why was this? Did the Astros clean their PR department out, or did do they mostly have the same people who oversaw the disaster that I was the? End I of thought the they did clean it out. Judd told me that they. I thought it was the same, not. but I'll have to e- check. Either way, like baseball allowed today and the last two months to be a team handled PR strategy. Mm-hmm. No, this is this is a league problem that at the very least should have been handled by. To me, Rob Manfred should have been the one introducing Jim Crane today at that press conference. Like, this isn't just, well, get your four-person Astros PR department together and get in a room and figure out what we're going to do here. I guess we'll make a couple players available and read a couple sentences off a piece of paper. And at the very least, at the very least, Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred should have been conducting that entire media charade today. At most, you should have had some sort of a, maybe they did, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to know what their hourly bill is, but did you have some sort of a crisis management firm tell you that, you know what, the best way to connect with fans again here is to have arrogant Alex Bregman walk up and read three sentences with no emotion. Like, that's what's going to that's what's gonna get you off the hook here. And then get Jose Altuve up there and have him read four sentences and have no questions on national TV. It's ridiculous. My 80% annoyance, to complete my pie chart of annoyance, is the we just want to move forward sentiment of today's proceedings from the owner all the way down to Justin Verlander and many if not most of the players today the the clearly the main talking point was hey what's done is done the investigation took place and we just want to move forward why is it the people who cheat and break the law and get caught I know those are two different things cheating and breaking the law but why is it that they think they can just move forward without talking about the details and the things that happened like, you don't get to move forward until as many people as we want get to ask you the important, pertinent questions. And I know that a lot of those questions were asked today, but, like, you don't – I'm sorry, but you don't get the satisfaction of moving forward until you are wildly uncomfortable facing the questions that people want answers to. Yeah. And so so stop being arrogant off the bat and saying, well, we're the, the investigation is done and we just want to move forward. Bleep you. You don't get to just move forward. Sorry. Because people in sports are convinced that, that like, today to them is like a loss. It's like um, we'll answer questions about the loss, but now we're going to set our sights on tomorrow instead of instead of ex- on to Cincinnati. No bill, exa- right? Instead of accepting the fact that this is a situation that people get to ask you about this as long as they want, and I can't wait till 
The Astros players, uh, you know, a cocky kid like Bregman, continues to get pressed and melts down. Because what's going to happen then? Verlander already started to crack today. Yeah, but but my what I want is... Keep asking him the question. Yes. Let let's see him melt down. Yeah, you don't get to tell us that you don't you're not answering. But any I want to see him lash out or to stop answering. I want to see him. Questions. I want to see him pressed Me to the point of melting down. And then you know what? I'm going to ask you another question about it. Let's actually hear. This is this. Jonathan has the clip here. This is Justin Verlander today. Um. Well, I mean, you're asking me, um, right here, right now, and, and my answer is no. Um, I think uh, looking back to my tenure, even before I got to Houston, I was taking measures and steps to prevent from sign stealing. I publicly said that um, that I think that MLB needed to take steps to ensure an even playing field um, throughout baseball. And, um, you know, so that, that was something that I think uh, started long ago with all the technology that had been implemented in the game. I think uh, paranoia around the league had, had, had begun to run rampant. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I was thwarting efforts before I even stepped foot in the Houston locker room. I mean, I just feel like there are so many questions that you don't just get to not you don't just get to you don't you don't get the satisfaction of being annoyed by the line of questioning when this goes on for that many years. I mean, and you won World Series doing it. Correct. Correct. It's amazing. Um, and as long as Rob Manfred stays employed, all thirty Major League Baseball owners are complicit. They own this just as much as he does, just as much as the Astros do. You're saying you're giving him a mandate and approval of the way that he handled this whole situation if you let that guy keep his job. If I'm an owner and I know my team didn't cheat, I'm picking up the phone and calling another owner who I know their team didn't cheat. And I say, can you believe the way that they handled this thing? What's going to, are they going to stop the next team from stealing wins from us, from stealing a potential championship from us? Is he going to let that go on for the next two or three years before the Athletic uncovers that, and then he'll do something about it because of public outrage? There's no way I trust this guy as commissioner and to maintain any any rule of law, any competitive balance, any 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 even playing field for all of Major League Baseball because he turned a blind eye to this, tried to cover it up, and tried to sweep it under the rug for two to three years while these guys were stealing food out of our mouths and championships out of our trophy case. How do you let that happen if you're a Major League Baseball owner today? That's ridiculous. Rob Rob Manfred has been needing to be fired for making decisions that I disagree with, but others can agree with. There is no agreeing with the way that he handled this. There is zero agreeing with the way Rob Manfred handled yeah. this. Yeah. He needs to go. You're sp- you're spot on, man. Like he was he was branded as someone who's going to come in here and he's going to have new ways of thinking about the game and like well, there's been maybe two things that have been implemented at most in the last few years that have been meaningful. He's not there for baseball purposes, guys. It's just that simple. You know what will be amazing? On Thursday, March 26th, the Houston Astros open their regular season schedule at home on ESPN, scheduled to be a nationally televised game against the Los Angeles Angels, Mm -hmm. 6 o'clock Central Time. I would love it. I don't know who who the Angels opening day starter is, and he would only last three batters max if this happened, but then the next guy. I would love for the Angels to plunk all nine hitters to start the game, to start the season. Just plunk all nine Astros hitters. Give up six runs before you even try to record an out. Take the L if you need to start the season 0-1. And if four guys get ejected, if six guys get ejected, yep. 100% worth it. Like I, Well, that that is actually a case, I think, why... 
Marvin Gonzalez, Altuve go down the entire list, should have gotten at least 50 games apiece because of that. And here's the problem, and here's the scary thing. These guys are going to get thrown at. And I don't know if they're going to throw at their rib cage or their back or what, but we've always heard pitchers say the one dicey thing about that is the ball can slip. And God forbid the ball slips and hits somebody square in the face or head. And if that happens, here's the problem, too. How many people are going to say, oh, my God, I can't believe that yeah. that happened, well, right? Like, well, if a major league hitter knows a fact, let, 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 me, let, me, put, let me flip it I'm around. I'm just going down a path that could be very but, ugly. And but, Judd, in, in, spring, in spring training, the, spring training is the only time hitters know what pitch is coming. Because just to, to take fans behind the curtain here, because I've watched God knows how many spring training pitching hitter battles I've watched in February, March. When the when the first week of spring training, when hitters are trying to get their timing down, pitchers will will with their glove they will tip what pitch is coming. They will they will they will. There are certain signs you can give with your glove to show the hitter breaking ball coming, fastball coming. So so because it, it's you're not trying to get him out. He's on your same team, and it's like if Jose Barrios faces Josh Donaldson tomorrow in Fort Myers, he will be telling Josh Donaldson what pitches are coming mm-hmm. so that he can get his timing down. Mm-hmm. And Jose Barrios is pitching behind an L screen when that happens. Because if he's not pitching behind an L screen and the hitter knows what's coming, he can hit that ball 115 miles an hour right back at Jose Barrios. And so part of a pitcher's defense is the hitter not knowing what's coming. So th- And I know it didn't happen, but think about how many times Astros hitters knew that a fastball was coming and a pitcher was actually in potential. And maybe I'm overreacting here like Rami was earlier today, but like... If a hitter knows what's coming and you're unprotected out there and that ball gets hit 150 miles an hour up the box and that hits you in the temple, you're dead. Yep. Like I know that I'm blowing this way out of proportion, but I'm just saying if a if a ball happens to slip out of a guy's hand, I, I don't want to see it happen. But but I'm sa- but I'm saying that there would a, there's a case to be made that the Astros players involved in this should have gotten about 50 games apiece for their own safety. So I mean, what did I overreact to earlier today? Well, you just were saying on Score North Live that like you don't usually get that worked up about sports. Things. I hate. I, I feel I'm like so, my blood's pumping. Right I feel now. so stupid what I do. <laughs> but this why? Should, we love, I know this shouldn't matter but that ba- much. But we love baseball. Like, it fi- should matter. This I want a joke. I want to fight Rob Manford right now. I want to fight. I want to <laughs> fist fight Rob Manford in the streets. But how can you not be upset? They've made the sport that we love a complete laughing stock. Yeah, I challenge you to a fight, Rob Manford. Meet me <laughs> we, downtown Minneapolis. In the streets tomorrow, fist fight. I bet he fights like the Notre Dame leprechaun. Come on, hey, come on, hey. <laughs> we got to hit a break here. We're way late here, but I don't know. That was uh, that was that was therapeutic. I think for three guys who just love baseball. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk Vikings blueprint. We're going to talk all things quarterbacks and uh, off season with Sage Rosenfeld. Some Sage football wisdom, and then ten days of twins talk at the top of the hour. Powered in part by Federated Mutual Insurance Company, Federated is here to help business owners get you that peace of mind if you're a business owner and uh, you've you've been running a company with your own blood, sweat, and tears and you're grinding 40, 60, 100 hours a week, whatever it may be. You want to make sure that if something bad happens to your business, something that, hap- something that puts you on the defense, so to speak, you want an insurance company with a ton of experience standing behind you, and that's what you get with Federated. You get... Over 100 years of experience based in Owatonna, Minnesota, and Federated, helping business owners just like you. Federatedinsurance.com to find out more information. Also, Luther Brookdale Toyota is on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And I was just over there yesterday, actually, getting a little bit of maintenance on my 2019 RAV4 XLE, a little 5,000-mile maintenance. And 
just seeing all kinds of new 2020 models in that showroom and uh, and checking out the 30 different workstations in that service department and talking sports with some of the, the, the people that have been helping my family for 20, 30 years. You'll get that same level of expertise, that level of uh, friendliness, the level of knowledge. You'll get all of those things, and I guarantee you won't even consider going to another service department or dealership, just like my family and I, once you step foot in there. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. And while you're at it on the website, by the way, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, check out the pre-owned inventory selection. There's all kinds of great deals on cars that are maybe five or six years old with some miles, but um, but sometimes those are the hidden gems. You can go to LutherBrookdaleToyota.com to find out more. All right, welcome back. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Score North and the Score North app. And every Thursday at 4.30, we dive into football-y football topics. Football. With our friend and former NFL quarterback, former Vikings quarterback, Sage Rosenfels, and for- former journeyman and, may I put in all caps and bold, backup clipboard-holding quarterback mm. because... Uh, that's that's pretty much all you did, say Rosenfeld. Yes. Yeah, so I wanted today to do sort of a a rant. I don't want to call it a rant because that sounds like angry. I'm not angry at all. I just want to address the situation. So I spend probably too much time on Twitter because I have extra time than most people. Like I'm not in an office all day long with a boss. So um, I'm on Twitter a lot, and occasionally when somebody wants to attack one of my takes, whether whatever it might be, football or or, or politics or the economy or whatever it might be, a lot of times I get the, what do you know? You're just a terrible backup quarterback anyway. (laughs) I get it all the time. And sometimes I decide to burn people on it, or at least I try to, whatever, and then people that follow me sort of join in, whatever it might be. But here's the thing. I was. I was mostly a backup quarterback. I had 12 career starts. All right. I did the best I could. Didn't all work out as, 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 as I was hoping, but here's the deal. I woke up this morning at 6.45 to get my kids off to school. Now, that is the earliest I'll wake up all week. Six or five, never earlier. And then, and when I don't have my kids, it's sometimes it's eight or eight thirty. All right. So I got them off to, made them breakfast, got them off to school, came back home, went on Twitter for about an hour, got attacked a few times for just being a journeyman quarterback. Sure. And that's the first thing I do in the morning. I find those journeyman quarterback on Twitter and I tee off on them. Yeah. So yeah. then I, then I made myself like a super healthy omelet with like, you know, uh, kale in it and, and all sorts of things. Pretentious. And then I came upstairs and I turned on some Justin Herbert film. I put it in my phone to make a video of watching Justin Herbert because people are going to want to know if Justin Herbert's a good quarterback or not and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's sort of my job, I guess. And then I get to come on here with you guys for an hour or or, or 30 minutes. But so, So I know I was just a journeyman quarterback, but I am wearing... Some UGG shoes that Christian Ponder gave me as a Christmas present. Wow, I don't know if I would for free. be admitting that publicly. Well, they're, they're, they're slippers. I'm still in my slippers. I'm wearing Christmas uh, like pajama pants. That They're just comfortable, and I wear them when it's not even Christmas time. And uh, I, I'm pretty happy about my life. I'm pretty happy that uh, I was just fine being a journeyman backup quarterback. And um, it doesn't mean that my opinions don't matter. Just, just like it doesn't mean that... Your opinion doesn't matter if you're a, an, an electrician or a teacher or whatever. Everyone's opinions should matter a little bit. So, so are you um, saying anyway. that journeyman quarterbacks are people too? We, we, we all are. We all are people. Isn't that amazing? Like that's a great statement. 
I mean, I wear Christmas pajama pants often too, whether it's Christmas season or not, Sage. So I can I can definitely relate to what you're talking. But what about I here. am doing is considered work currently. Like I get paid to do this. It's a, it's something I and I enjoy doing it. I mean, I as I and I, anyway, I just sort of feel like um, that that statement is always funny on Twitter when I get the well, you're we, nothing but a well, we get bad, the, terrible well, NFL quarterback. Well, we get the you never played the game, which is. Well, you didn't, so they're right on that. Let's (laughs) cut to the chase, gentlemen. Why did Christian Ponder give you Crocs? Not Crocs. No, no, no. They're they're Uggs. They're like Ugg slippers. Why did Christian Ponder give you shoes? Christmas presents. (laughs) Brett Favre gave the Crocs. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, just got done with practice. Guess I'm just in my hotel room here with my robe. Whoops. Stop. 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 It happened, Sage. Come on. Sage, I wouldn't take a black lack of those Crocs. (laughs) (laughs) Off the rails this morning. Hey, you brought it up. We're just running with the ball. That's how this business works. So, so just remember, journeyman quarterbacks are people too. Sage Rosenfels uh, is on Twitter if you want to tee off on him at Sage Rosenfels eighteen. By the way, come so, at me, come at me. So, all right. So Gary Kubiak had his introductory offensive coordinator for the Vikings press conference earlier this week, and to paraphrase the main thing that he said, he said having the same system in place for the third year of Kirk Cousins and the third year for a lot of these guys, but more specifically Kirk Cousins, is going to make Kirk Cousins naturally a better quarterback. You don't have to learn new verbiage, new routes, et cetera, et cetera. Do you believe that to be the case? How important is it that, that Kirk Cousins can just be in the same system with the same lingo for three consecutive seasons? It helps. I mean, he's had a, a lot of this similar lingo when his time in Washington. I mean, Mike Shanahan and Kubiak's lingo were a lot of similarities in Kyle Shanahan's. And so there, he's been through this system now a while. But I, it just anytime you have more guys that stay in a, the same system together with how often systems change now in the NFL, it seems like teams, if they don't do well, they immediately change somebody. But uh, it helps everybody, and it's not just him. It'll help Kirk Cousins because the entire offensive line or most of the offensive line be in the same system and the tight ends and the receivers and, and everyone get a better feel for different routes that maybe they missed on last year. I mean, you, you go back at the end of the season, you know, watch all the things you did poorly, and, and you try to improve upon those things, techniques or, or past patterns you missed too many on or, you know, whatever it might be. And so, I, I you know, basically keeping the same system and adding some wrinkles to it in, in every way possible uh, is uh, advantageous and, and good for, for an offense. I mean, it's one of the reasons the Patriots have literally the same system for so long, and it's helped Brady you know, know all the ins and outs. And so he really can be the wheel, wheeler and the dealer and the, the audible person. He's been through all those reps. That does help out uh, if you can keep the quarterback in the same system and obviously all the other players as well. When we talk about a guy like Patrick Mahomes, we always say that he does he does so much that you can't coach. And when you say you go back and look at the film and see the things that Kirk Cousins didn't do well, how much would you say of what Kirk Cousins doesn't do well is fixable and how much of it is stuff that you just can't coach that comes naturally to a guy or it doesn't? Well, I just... Kirk's top side, he's not going to become a all of a sudden better, more elusive athlete. And to me, that might be his one of his bigger negatives um, is is that. And sometimes he gets sort of in an awkward situation where he does, you know, flips the ball to somebody laterally and takes a weird risk. Or or, or obviously he has the long history of uh, you know sacks with fumbles. That's when one of his biggest things. Can you fix it? I don't know. I mean, that sack fumble thing. It's sort of like the Jameis Winston interception thing. Some people just 
sack and fumble more. I don't know if you can fix that. It's been fairly consistent throughout his career. He was better, much better last year on it, but I also know they tried to minimize the situations where he could be holding on to the pocket, uh, the ball in the pocket too long for those sack fumble uh, situations. Sage, back to you and your career for a second. If the XFL had a league like that had existed during the course of your career and they, they had called you and you for sure could have started there, would you have jumped to get the opportunity to play more? Uh, younger, you know, I think at the end, I don't know what the quarterbacks are making, but I would have had to think about, you know, financially, does it make that much sense? Probably. Uh, for, I think the quarterbacks are making in the six figures. So maybe even at the end, I would have. I felt good. My body felt good. You know, again, the 12 starts, I think I played in 47 games or something like that. But my, my body felt pretty good and I was in good shape. I would, you know, would have loved to have had another opportunity to then prove myself. Uh, because it, my, my career ended for a multitude of reasons, but in, in a sense, one of them was you know, I got to Minnesota, didn't play for a year. Got to New York, didn't play for a whole year. The whole ne- the third year in a row, I didn't play for three years in a row. And then, you know, sort of fell into uh, you know, the team decided to go Joe Webb or whatever. So um, I would have, I thought I could have, you know, I just didn't have those opportunities to play. That's one of the negatives about being around a guy like Favre and Eli is you don't play. And, you know, your, your best value is if you can play a lot. And as, the, as you get the end of your career, if you don't play for, for three years in a row, you know, teams are all like you sort of forget about you and move on to somebody younger. Okay, what, what do you think? I'm going to give you two options for the NFL to steal uh, from the XFL. There's, a, there's probably five or six things that the XFL is doing drastically differently than the NFL. So I'm going to give you two things. You can, you can pick your favorite to steal. Number one, three different extra points, none of them involving a kicker. You can either get one point from the two-yard line, two points from the five-yard line, or three-point extra point from the ten-yard line. Or we can steal from the production side and interview failing players as they walk off the field after missed field goals and interceptions. Which one would you steal? Is that last one just made up? No. No, it really happens. No. They are what's the deal? They have full access sideline reporters. Sage. Yeah, no, I saw that, but like that's an option on an extra point is to have the other team. Oh, on the on the extra point? No, on the extra point you can yeah, you there's three different Oh, which one should they steal of all of those? Correct, yes. Uh, um, well, there's a couple different, you know, I, I love the kickoff rule. I think the kickoff rule they should do. I think they should do that at the youth level, at the, you know, at all these levels, they should have something like that. Because that is a very football sort of play where you have to sort of cover and tackle, uh, but it takes out the, the vicious hit. I think that, and it's still a competitive play, I, I would think. So, um, I, I like that rule, but, the three, the 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 whole one point, two point, three point thing. I believe I will like, but I think that the that the XFL needs to do that for you know two, three years or something like that because I want to see if it really does make games more exciting. I think it will, but you know my mind's been so entrenched in these rules of you know when you're up by six, when you're up by seven, when you're up by eight, when you're up by four, like all those and that. I don't even know how many different variables it brings into play because now you're down by 18 points. You're down by two scores in, in a sense, right? You, you can still win it in two possessions or whatever. So um, I, I don't know about that rule yet. I think it needs more time in the oven. Um, I don't like the interview and the players on the field. I'm I just not into that. That's I think amazing. that's um, that, that that's crazy to me, and, and that's bound to be. But, you know, America loves a train wreck, right? I mean, it just sort of see. It's, it's listen. It's the WWF. I randomly was passing through channels last night with my nine-year-old daughter, and we stopped for about two minutes on 
uh, I don't. It wasn't WWE, yeah. but it was it like was, it was it was AEW or NXT. I was watching. Yeah, both last T- night. I was like, man, there, there's two other wrestling leagues. Like, there's not just well, the WWE well, the or NXT is the subdivision of the WWE. They AEW got the minor the leagues going. If, if they the can figure out the minor leagues, how the hell can <laughs> the NFL figure out a minor league? Right. So that guy knows how to make money, and I get it. Like people want to see because those are those, a train wreck's going to happen. I also don't even like listening to the coaches in the press box talking to the players either too many people talking i do like the pat mcafee style people if you can find more guys like him they don't have to play they're just sort of comedians to make the thing just sort of funny like you know put caliendo on the sideline or something like that to me i'd watch that telecast right i don't know what to pay i mean i think things like that i don't honestly i think there's something about not knowing what the coaches are saying and, and how they're coaching and what they're calling the plays you know i'm just not into that Sage, what guy did you play with during the course of your career, Vikings, Texans, Giants, uh, Washington, blah, 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 that if they had put a microphone in his face uh, 30 seconds after he had failed, America would have found out he was a complete psychopath? <laughs> what play, What player would have scared people? Christian if... Ponder again. No. Oh, geez, sort of I just got to go back and no, watch the film. He... He he would he wasn't big on big like show of emotion like who was a, like I'm yeah like who who would have scared America because you would have said oh my god that person's going to go a lot of D linemen a lot of D linemen <laughs> that, come probably, on give me a name I mean Pat Williams might have been kind of fun Could, <laughs> Pat he, Williams fun, boom fun, there fun, you go but, but he wouldn't you know, scare Pat people. Williams perfect. I think Jared might have scared people Pat Williams would need some subtitles no. but. No, Jared was fine on the sidelines. I mean, there was definitely guys that came on the sidelines like, I'm going to kill that MFR. Like, you're like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> and they sounded like they meant it. Like, they might yeah, really you know, they're all, it. They're, yeah, because uh, somebody, somebody gave him a cheap shot on the other side or something. And they come off just steaming. You know, like, you don't want, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, there's some, some awful things that said in those situations. Again, like those guys, that trench warfare, man, that is some nasty stuff over there. And, and uh, you know, it's a vicious sort of thing, and and you're going head to head with across from these guys, play after play after play, and you know somebody takes a a cheap shot, or you know, guy doesn't like being cut. I mean, Mike Flanagan, who was a longtime Packers center for Favre, and he came to Houston sort of the end of his career with me. You know, one time we were playing against. Um, who is the big detail? Albert Hainsworth. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, Albert was, like, looking across to me, and I, like, gave him sort of a look or whatever, and, and, and Flanning was like, dude, get in the huddle. Do not upset him. He's in a good mood. <laughs> like, you help him up off the pile. You know what I mean? Like, you got to take care of that guy. You, you do not want to intercept that bull over there. And so uh, it, it was just, yeah, it was it, that, that, that what those guys go through, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and they come off, they get, they're injured or some guy cut them, whatever, and they throw their helmet. Uh, it can get pretty nasty. They don't show that stuff regularly on, uh, on the, you know, the NFL network, uh, you know, sounds of the game or whatever. Can you imagine a coked up Lawrence Taylor coming off the field and having a microphone oh, in his God, face? Dude. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was the guy that probably just got mic'd up a lot because he was such a great player, but imagine all these other players, uh, that were doing the exact same thing. They just weren't Lawrence Taylor. I mean, there's, you know, um, it, it, it is, it, it's very colorful, interesting, interesting things on the sideline during football games. And it, it is, I, I do love how the NFL does that sound effects or whatever they call it. Uh, and they go back and they, and they hear all these things post game. I think it's really cool. And they edit out all the, 
all the other stuff. But uh, uh, obviously, uh, you know, probably eighty percent of the things get edited out, uh, you know, of the and, and go on the the cutting room floor. Sage, I'm out on the XFL. I was watching guys' grocery games instead. I know you're a culinary man yourself. Yeah, we're just gonna fade his mic now, actually, because uh, can I get my mic sorry. turned back up? Thank you very much. But the reason the reason that I'm not interested in the XFL and I haven't been interested in any of these auxiliary leagues since the first incarnation of the NFL. I fell for that for a few weeks. Is that I just don't think there are enough good quarterbacks in this world for an entire another league of entertaining football to exist. There's barely enough for the NFL to exist. Every week there's four or five games where you watch and you're like, man, this is this is hard to watch just because the guys under center are not up to par with what we're used to watching. Can this work with the quarterbacks that they're using in the XFL? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think there needs to be more quarterbacks playing and getting extra reps. You know, this college game is interesting. I I work with some of these college, these you know, high school and college kids actually, and it's amazing what they don't know uh, and what they're taught at their various schools and how they're you know about again like what Anthony Gordon. Uh, I got to work with this kid. A lot of people run these sort of air raid style offenses now in high school and in college, uh, and and what. What Anthony Gordon didn't know was shocking to me, you know, as far as fronts and, and blitzes and protections, and, and it was just not something they really got into too much, um, the details of, of, of those things. And so, you know, there's just, you know, some guys just need some seasoning. You know, Ryan Tannehill needed years of it, obviously, and, and uh, you know, Jared Goff. Uh, you know, needed, uh, you know, better coaching. So th- these guys, a lot of times they just need, you know, some good coaching and they do get better, you know, over time and, and, uh, and there can be better backup quarterbacks because, you know, there, there used to be three quarterbacks in the league all the time and then they sort of went to two and a practice squad player. So there's naturally going to be, you know, sort of a lack of quarterback development. I, the, you know, NFL Europe really was a quarterback development league and that's really what this should be. Yeah. You're not going to get great quarterbacks, but there, there are some guys. Who will end up on NFL rosters because of the play? They just didn't get any reps. I mean, you know, the, who's the Vikings' third-string quarterback? The kid out of Washington. You know, he's only going to get, uh, you know, probably some um, uh, so, some preseason you know reps and probably very few in practice. These guys, he goes down there maybe as like a postseason thing or something like that, uh, and and gets you know a, a ton of reps and a ton of more practice and a ton of more throws and game action. Then you can actually evaluate and go, okay, well. We do like this guy. We want to have him on a roster long term. He can be our number two guy next year, and you could do something like that. So really, these these leagues are, are for quarterback development, if anything. I would think, by the way, sage football wisdom here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. I, I would think, as someone who has never played quarterback at any real level outside of, like, fifth grade... Uh, uh, Sandlot football? Yeah. Well, okay. no, like, fifth grade, they separated you into the heavy the heavyweights and the lightweights, and I was on the heavyweight team. <laughs> And so, like, I played guard, but sometimes got to play quarterback in practice. And, but that's a whole other story. You must have been a fat little All that kid. I was chubby. Yeah, you must have been point. really chubby. I was chubby, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm big and sort of fat, but that's supposed well, to be. It sounds like you were a bully from what you I beat kids up. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, get, paroled, I paroled the St. Therese uh, recess hour. Let's say that, okay? I was the goon. But I would, I would think that it's a little bit like, you guys remember when you were 15 years old and, and you were going for your, you had your driver's permit and you were going for your license? Do you remember the first time you ever merged onto a freeway? Oh, yeah. 55, 60 miles an hour? Yeah. And it, like, and you're terrified and you're going 47 and you're white knuckle 10 and 2. Oh, my God. And now, like, as an adult, you just, 
you merge onto the freeway and be, you can be, I mean, you shouldn't be doing this, but you can be paying, paying attention to people in your car and like, I, like you can be doing a million things. I would say, like, but the reps of driving are Basically with, just thinking they better get out of my way. Right. Where are you going with this story? Holy cow. Here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm talking going. about the reps of a quarterback. They just need more reps. Correct. If, if, if you're, if you're a second or third string quarterback and you've never played in a regular season NFL game, I would think if you were to, somehow be able to get a hundred games of reps under your belt, then it would be a lot slower for you and you might have a chance to actually be somebody. But there aren't those opportunities for guys like you're saying. Well, and I think also there are opportunities for coaches who want to maybe try to get back in the game and maybe they've been out for it. You know, Chuck Long was the offensive coordinator of one of the teams and I've known Chuck, you know, he's an Iowa quarterback. He and I have been doing a, a Monday Iowa, Iowa State radio show in Des Moines, and he's a guy that, you know, I think his kids now are, you know, out of high school or whatever that has it wants to get back into coaching. He does some Big Ten Network stuff, I think, and, and whatever. So, but this is an opportunity for him, not just, you know, quarterback, but from a guy who is, or maybe it's a guy who was in a college system and, you know, they want to, you know, try some more experimental things. And, you know, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, I mean, are there going to be a lot more quarterbacks like that, that we, hey, we can win with that style where people, you know, years ago didn't think you could. So, uh, you know, who are the coordinators who are creative enough to create an offense on maybe not having years and years and years, but in short term? to run a very effective, very tough offense to beat. I think it's a good testing pad for a lot of people trying to make it uh, you know, to, to the NFL because, you know, listen, it, there's a lot of it's a lot of NFL you know, style of coaching, so the concepts that you're seeing are legit, and these coaches are, are competing too. And, you know, there's a lot of money in, in, in college football and pro football. I think it's a great testing grounds for as another place for people to try to make it uh, you know, to the highest levels. And, you know, it's very interesting. You know, college football, NFL football, it's 50,000 to, you what, 100,000 people in some of these stadiums. Mm-hmm. The drop after that is like high school. It's a huge drop. There's not sort of something in between there. And but there, in these games, there's, you know, there's 10,000. I think 17,000 was the average for the first week. So even if they average 12 or something, there needs to be something sort of in the middle. I think that they find the right stage and the right combination. And, and there's a good reason behind it because people, enough people, people watch the Pro Bowl. Like people will take a Sunday and watch the Pro Bowl. And so you got to imagine enough people, a few million people, it's not like they're getting like three million a game, uh, will end up watching this uh, XFL stuff. So, Sage, back to quarterback play. When these kids come to you and and don't know a lot, they don't know uh, coverages and things like that, d- does the lack of of preparation and the fact they don't know these things oftentimes coming out of Division One colleges surprise you? No, because of, you know, I loved my coach and Dan McCarney and, and the coaching staff, but I didn't know all those things either. It's, it's, it's none of their faults. The, the issue is that in college football, the actual rule is that a, a team, you only can be with your team for 20 hours a week during the season or something like that. They have like a 20-hour rule, and they always have like the captain sign off that, yes, we indeed follow the 20-hour rule. But that includes, I think, you know, maybe weightlifting and all the practice time and all the meeting time. So really – you might actually have only, you know, say, three hours of meetings in a week in college football with your offensive coaches. That's coordinator and quarterback's coach. It's, it's very quick. I've gone over to Iowa State a few times, and you know they have meetings before their practice and sort of sat in, and, and it's quick. They don't have a lot of time. They can't cover all the things. In the NFL, it's all football all the time we're talking off season we don't have class right so off season and 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 you know where they have spring ball but again that's like just you know 
uh, a part of a day. We're going all day for these OTAs and, and things like that. So you just have more time. Guys put in more time. Guys have more experience. The game gets more complex. There's a lot of things you can do in you know, the sport of 11-on-11 11 11 with five eligible receivers and how do we shut down this guy and what's this technique. And, and, and It's a very complex game. And at the NFL, it's just at a different level, I think, of detail because that's all you do all the time. And where the college, they just can't get into all the details because they literally just don't have as much time, but, which sometimes makes the college game more fun because you got NFL athletes who are, you know, and there's also guys who are like walk-ons at a whole, who have no chance at the NFL, who are at a whole different like skill level. And so really exciting, great, you know, plays do happen. Uh, but the game is, you know, obviously it's just not quite as complicated. It, and that's just sort of the way it goes. I mean, it's not that it's not fun to watch. It's just a different game. And, and so it's, it's, it's not a surprise to me because, again, you only have so much time in the high school. I mean, did you guys have meetings in high school for hours on end to teach you all your offense? You just sort of did it on the field. I mean, that's a lot of times where you have to One do captain's practice, Sage, and I said, I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, so that's the whole thing is you just don't have the time when you're young. You don't have the time, to, as much time as you guys think about in, with these college football players. But the NFL, you just have so much time. And you have guys who play for 12. I mean, think of the knowledge that Tom Brady knows, the plays that he's made, the coverages he's seen, what his detail would be compared to even the very best uh, you, know, you know, college coaches as far as the passing game and all those types of things. Hey, last thing for you here, about a minute or two left. We're gonna, I'm gonna throw four names at you. I'm gonna give you four quarterbacks, and I want you to throw out. Let's just say money is equal. Let's say knowledge of the system and playbook is equal. You get one of these quarterbacks for 2020. I want you to rank them in order of how much you would trust them to lead the Vikings or a similar Vikings-like team to the Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Rivers, Tom Brady. Can you put Ryan Tannehill in there? Sure, Ryan Tannehill. I, I'll take. Uh, I like, by the way, Tannehill played so well last year. Are you putting him number one? No, okay. no. But I'm just, just wanted to say, like, I because you know, he's a free agent in this whole thing sure. of quarterbacks, right? So if you're going to, you know, Tom Brady. Tom Brady's been the nine Super Bowls in 19 years, or something like that. So basically, well. That gives us a 50-50 shot next year. I mean, that's to me, that's that's the no-brainer answer. Because if you're talking about one year, yep. and I think Tom can play well enough, and, and the Vikings have the receivers and the running game, you know, it'd be less bootlegs and more play action, I tell you that. But, I, you know, I like him the very worst being a part of a good team. But having all that experience, i, I got to imagine he, he's a guy that just has made a lot of clutch throws, and they just don't have a, a great offense up there in Minnesota right now. And, and, you know, he's not the same player he was at the end, but he doesn't have to be. So Tom Brady, you guys, would you go? Well, would you go Tom Brady? Would you go Philip Rivers, Kirk Cousins? Would you guys? Go? I'd probably go Brady for one year. I go Brady too. I know he's forty three, but he was throwing to he was throwing to Jan. Would you guys go Bridgewater or Cousins? Bridgewater for me. I go Kirk. I think Teddy. I think Teddy's got the intangibles that, if I'm an executive, I love. Teddy was great on third down and in the fourth quarter. Honestly, like it's kind of a coin flip. Like if you're telling me it's the next ten one, years, I go That's Teddy. A really tough one. I, I probably go Teddy. Oh, yeah. Well, I will say this: Kirk has Kirk has no, put you up. Guys want to be wrong? Kirk has put up numbers that Tay did not put up. Now there are very different offenses, and exactly. And I think this offense is much better than what I do. Think this offense for at least quarterback statistics much better than what Norv 
was running, and uh, and so Teddy didn't put up great stats. But you know, Teddy has that thing that like makes the offensive line a little bit better and can make a weird scramble play in a third and twelve. You know, you, you just don't see Kirk you know do those types of things, and so. Uh, but you know, Kirk Kirk played really well last year. Right? He you know he can play better, but not that much better. Um, and uh, but you know we uh, of course people you know Teddy ha- or Teddy has that winner you know sort of thing. So uh, that, that's a, that's a tough one. Football. It is. Every Thursday, four thirty, we talk football-y football things with our friend Sage Rosenfeld. Sage football wisdom. You can also find Sage Mondays and Wednesdays at two o'clock on Purple Daily. Sage, we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys, I'm going to throw up some Justin Herbert uh, film on Twitter uh, over the next hour or so. Football. There he is. All right, we'll be back. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Ten days of Twins talk when we return. We'll check in with Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers on Kenta Maeda Day and what the Twins expect from their new starting pitcher acquisition. But let's talk about Tondrick Wealth Management here for a brief moment. Dale Tondrick is here to help guide you through your retirement saving process. And just I'll just tell you my own story here. I think somewhere in my late 20s, early 30s, I started thinking to myself, all right, I know nothing about long-term. I mean, I know that like the company gives you a 401k and you put money away, et cetera, but I just uh, I wanted to find out more. And that the cool thing about Dale Tondrick is you'll meet face-to-face with somebody who spends his life thinking about this stuff. So, you know, you might seem overwhelmed with, things in your work life and you've got kids and you're running around and you know you don't have time to dive into investment strategies but but that's dale's life's work literally helping people save and stockpile money for retirement he's a trusted source of information to help you make sure that you're calling your own shots later in life and i don't care if you're 30 if you're 50 if you're 60 there are things you can and should be doing to make sure you get to dictate later in life Go to myinvestingcoach.com or call 952-401-1671. 952-401-1671. Judd? Speaking of things that you might be doing or thinking about doing, are you thinking of selling your home this uh, spring or summer? You know, there's some uh, there's some NBA and hockey players in this town who might be saying to themselves, I've been, I've been traded in recent days. What should I do? Should I sell my home? And the response is going to be, of course, you have to move. Well, That's why I want them or you to contact my friend Jason Walgrave and the folks at the Walgrave Real Estate Team because if you are looking to sell your home, you are going to go to a place in Jason Walgrave and his real estate team that doesn't just have a guaranteed offer because we talk about guaranteed offers, right? I guarantee an offer. No, no, no. Jason says that's all well and good, but forget the guaranteed offer because what Jason and his team are talking about is a guaranteed sale. You heard me right, a guaranteed sale. So if you're going to be selling your home and you're going to have that stress of the move and the conversations Here's what I want you to do. Go to jasonsguarantee.com. That's jasons, J-A-S-O-N-S, guarantee.com, and click on the guaranteed sale button. Guaranteed sale button, jasonsguarantee.com. It's going to make you very happy you did. You talk about an 18 19% rate of banging. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Well, we've had we have conversations with Jim Polat and our ownership group throughout the course of the offseason to talk about potential plan. I will tell you this: our ownership supported any baseball decision we thought would work best, and this was clearly one that we felt would have a significant impact on our club. And Jim Polat supported it right from the get-go. 
Swing and a drive. First pitch. It's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's ten days of Twins Talk on Matthew and Judd with Rami. Yes, and that's that was Derek Falvey on MLB Network today talking about those cheap poll ads that greenlit a $100 million contract for Josh Donaldson. We sent Derek Wetmore down to Fort Myers. He has been part of our 10 days of Twins Talk here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. And you can find near daily episodes of the Score North Twin Show on the Score North app, Apple, or Spotify. And Derek, today was Kenta Maeda Day. At Hammond Stadium, the Twins introduced Kenta Maeda to the media. What are some of the things you learned about the Twins? I was going to say uh, newest stud pitcher, but most people think he's just garbage and that <laughs> Gratterall is going to you know, haunt them like uh, David Ortiz did. But what did you learn about Kenta Maeda today? Yes, the next Dennis Eckersley, Brewster Gratterall. Uh, happy Kenta Maeda Day to all of you and all of your families. It was a big day in Fort Myers. Uh, he was introduced here. He spoke with the... Uh, us in the English-speaking media. He also did a separate session with the Japanese-speaking media, and he's a huge star in Japan. Uh, not I quite mean, to the sh- in fairness, Nishioka was a huge star in Japan too. So I feel like they might need to raise their bar. Well, this- I don't know about that. I don't know if they're on the same comparison level because of the jump to Major League Baseball. Like there is, I, I spoke with a number of people who've covered. Um, Japanese baseball, and specifically even Kenta Maeda spoke with them today. That that uh, I mean, this guy's a big deal. He's he's on the world stage in Major League Baseball, pitching for the Dodgers in the World Series. It gets a real source of pride. So I guess I don't know. I wasn't around to cover Nishioka, but I'm not sure that I would compare the two. Um, listen, this is a big addition for the Twins. It's a starting pitcher that adds not only depth but quality, like top end of the rotation depth. If this goes to plan for Derek Falvey and the Twins. I talked to Falvey about him yesterday and about the pitch mix and about what was it that you liked so much about him? Why'd you, why'd you circle back on a trade that fell apart to push it across the finish line? He raved about Kenta's athleticism and his slider. He says it's one of the best sliders in baseball. So today was Kenta Maeda Day, but I'm really fascinated, guys, to see his first start in a Twins uniform. That's when I think we'll really get a taste for what this guy brings. Did he throw it all, or did he just show up, talk to the media, meet some fans, and you know, warm up a little bit? I don't think there were any uh, fans to greet. He did play catch a oh, little bit. I thought bit. I saw a picture of him signing autographs. No, yeah, yeah okay. sorry, I, right. I misspoke. It's it that wasn't was Lavelle, like that was Lavelle. Just... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have confused those two in the past, and will again in the future. Um, he he got loose basically, Rami. It wasn't a big workout day for him. I talked to Rocco Baldelli afterwards, and sort of the group session and listen it's it's camp rocco man he was he wants to get people in he wants to get them comfortable <laughs> if he wants to if he wants to stretch and get loose and throw and work up a little sweat then great more power to him but rocco said let's get him comfortable first get him familiar with his surroundings meet his teammates and he'll get going tomorrow i think he's scheduled guys i heard from a couple of people even though it's not officially posted yet i think maeda is going to throw his first twins bullpen tomorrow breaking news right there Wetmore. is that what that was Big yeah, I don't have a news. sounder over here, but yeah, I mean that's that uh, really stop good. the press. I, th- I think you sufficed stuff. right there. <laughs> Thanks, condescending Judd. What was the? Uh, I'm not done yet. What was <laughs> the reaction at, uh, to to the events of the day that I, that took place? I believe in West Palm Beach. 
What was the Twins' sort of overall reaction to an Astros press conference that was supposed to be an apology and came off more like a disaster? Yeah, Judd, I was talking with Phil about this earlier. We posted a uh, Twins show on the feed earlier today. So, cheap plug, Twins fans, if you want to go listen to that, it's a great, great episode, and Phil was there too. And the uh, thing that I shared with you, I'm sorry, I had to. (laughs) The thing that I shared with him was that, like, and you know this, Judd, and it's the same in spring training as it's been in Mankato for training camps in years past and now in Egan. You just get in this bubble when you're down here. Truth be told, the Astros story like around the grounds here today was not the, the dominating thing. It was Kenta Maeda Day uh, in all caps. I I saw it because I was running around Twitter like I often do, and, and then I said I chatted with Phil about it, but it's not. It wasn't something that ruled the day here in Fort Myers at Twin Spring Training. At least that was my perception from talking to a bunch of people around the team. Uh, this is I have not heard this soundbite yet, but I love the way it's labeled in our system here by Jonathan and or Declan. This is Derek Falvey on MLB Network earlier today talking about how the Twins can go about getting better legally. I think it's, it starts certainly with the way we operate and, and the way we operate throughout our baseball operation and what we believe our culture to represent. And, and that's been my focus from the get-go. I know that's Rocco's focus. In light of more recent information and what we've all learned in, the, in this industry, we have to be more direct and, and certainly make sure that we are uh, managing what we can manage on our end. Our focus is obviously the Minnesota Twins, but I can tell you that Rocco and I in particular and Thad as well, we all feel really, uh, we feel the way we go about it is really important and we're going to pay very close attention to that. So with with that said, and with the uncomfortable Astros media sessions this morning, I know Marwin Gonzalez came out and he was the first position player to show some level of remorse. But is that just sort of it for Marwin Gonzalez now that all right, he said what he said and now everyone gets to move forward? Or is there another wave of, of questions, especially after the Astros botched all of this this morning? No, I don't think it's the end of it. I think there are two more things that have to happen. And, and look, it's just me, outside observer, so take this for whatever it's worth. But I think Marwin needs to address his teammates. He's he's now current teammates with guys that the Astros beat in the 2017 World Series. Yeah. That's a big deal. Kenta Maeda was on that Dodgers team. Gave up a home run to, I think it was Jose Altuve. Uh, Rich Hill was on that Dodgers team. You're telling me he doesn't care about that World Series? And, hey, bygones be bygones. Let's it, let it be water under the bridge. Look, all three of those guys, if the Twins want to get to where they're going in 2020, they're going to be a big part of the team. At least that's how I see it. I don't know that everyone needs to be kumbaya and best friends and going out for drinks on road trips. Like You don't have to be best friends with everybody, but I do think you have to have a respectful working environment where everybody can at least get along to try to accomplish the same goal. Um, the other thing that I think needs to come out of this is, like, the Twins need to, I don't know the right way to put this, but they need to sort of expel the doubt that we have in our minds right now, naturally, as skeptical people who think right now that Major League Baseball has not earned any benefit of the doubt, they need to erase this concern that they possibly cheated last year, Right. Marwin Gonzalez was with the Astros in 2017 18. They're coming for Marwin! Sounds like they guess. They're coming for Marwin! <laughs> oh, did you guys hear the siren? <laughs> yeah. I'm looking out on Six Mile Cypress and uh, somebody just flew by. Hopefully everybody's okay. Uh, the other thing that needs to happen, though, is like 
We need to know that the Twins didn't do this in 2019. We need to know that their offensive breakout was legitimate, and it was a product of all the things that we've talked about in the past. James Rousen is a hitting genius. Rocco Baldelli, rest and recovery. Nelson Cruz come into town. Young players emerging into their mid-20s and just finally breaking through, delivering on all that promise we'd seen for years. If if all of that stuff is is truthful and well-earned, then awesome. The Twins are a great story, and they will continue to be in 2020. But I think that's sort of the final domino here, Phil, is it It just needs to be um, convincing that, no, there was, not only do we not stand for funny business now and going into the into the future, there were no shenanigans here in 2020. It was a legitimate offensive breakout on a club that won 101 games. I can I can see why the Twins have have maybe a little bit more to prove on their plate than some other teams around there because of the offensive season that they had last year and because they had a major player in that whole cheating scandal in Marwin Gonzalez on their roster now. But isn't that really a task for Major League Baseball now, Derek? Because the way that the fact that Rob Manford still has a job despite his handling of this whole thing that says to me that the 29 other owners have basically given a mandate and approval of the way that he's handled it and that makes me wonder how many of those teams have something to hide too and that's why they approve of the yeah. way this whole thing was handled yeah it's a scary and unsettling thought rami but you're you're not wrong to think it i, I don't think you're alone in thinking it either um it, rob manford looks bad today despite having no real part in this, maybe because of having no real part in this. Um, Jim Crane looks bad today, of course, the owner of the Astros. Uh, boy, I do wonder sort of what's next. And, and as I talked with Phil on the Twin Show, Rob Manfred's legacy over the next 12 to 24 months, 100% is on the line. Not only is this cheating scandal on his hands, but he also has to deal with this labor strife that's definitely coming down the pike. And there's the professional baseball agreement between the major leagues and the affiliated minor league teams that uh, they're they're threatening to, for lack of a better term, blow up right now. Those three things are major, major stories in the sport. And he wants us talking about possible playoff realignment. Swing and a drive. First pitch. It's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's 10 days of Twins Talk. Judd with Rami. Thank you, Derek. Good stuff today. Thanks, guys. You can find Derek Wetmore's How work. How red are you? Dude, not yet. Somebody just put it on Twitter. I put a Twins Minute up there. Go check for no, yourself. I saw, it. I, saw I, it. I couldn't tell. You were kind of in the shadows. I can't tell. You look fantastic, I Derek. I can't tell the <laughs> I think you look great. That you Thank are. you, John. I <laughs> yeah. think I'm reading from a statement here. You look fantastic. <laughs> I think you're doing a great job. You're not, I can tell you're not as white as the T-shirt you're wearing. So you, you have, you, you've gained some colors. It's All I have to there. say to that is just wait. It's early here in Fort Myers. <laughs> That's Only Derek. takes one afternoon, guys. That yeah. is Derek Wetmore, brought to you by SPF 7500. <laughs> you can find Derek's work on scorenorth.com and the Score North Twin Show, Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app. Gentlemen, we're going to keep it right here before we get to in other news in about 10 or 12 minutes. But uh, I need in other news today. Like, so bad. So, so bad. I, I don't usually. I'm with you, man. I don't usually get this mad about sports. Like, I need a release today at 530 with, 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 uh, in other news. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Like, I didn't think if you would have asked me six months ago, hey, the Astros are going to be caught with a sign stealing scandal and your level of outrage will be what? And I'll say, I'm not really an outrage guy. Probably like, it'll be annoying. Yeah, me neither. Like a three out of 10. And today I was just like pacing the hallways, just wringing my hands. <laughs> 
just saying Jim Crane's name under I'm, my breath. Like, why? I'm embracing my rage today. I'm so upset because <laughs> I love baseball, and they've. And it, it, it's just a joke. This makes this is probably the most upset I've been about something to do with sports since Roger Goodell and the Ray Rice thing, and, and then the Peterson thing after that. But just yeah, the Peterson thing, the Rice thing was so disgusting because TMZ basically had to show us something for the league to say, "Oh, now it's time to take it seriously." Yeah. Well, I think the P- the Peterson thing was it, it, at least Ray Rice came out. And Ray Rice knew what he did was wrong. And with Adrian, there is a similarity between the Adrian Peterson switch incident and what's happening here with the Astros and Jim Crane. It's that you you don't sense that the subject is really all that remorseful. That's true. You just kind of feel like. But don't you feel the the Rice the thing about the Rice thing that bothered me so much was Goodell and the league being caught, probably covering up the fact that they knew exactly what happened and had probably seen it, and then TMZ. Brings it to light, and the league's like, "Oh, now we're in. Yeah. He's done." And that's, I think, exactly what happened here. Yeah, Rob, I, you're probably right. Rob Manfred knew what was going. Rob Manfred probably knows more than what we saw in that athletic report, and more than what we saw oh, no in the in the report that they put out after their investigation. Yep. But didn't do anything about it until there was public outrage. Yeah. He's not punishing based on the crime. He's punishing based on public outrage, and he screwed that up too. He didn't even get that right. Yeah. He didn't even do what he needed to do to please the public. But that, that's the what makes me mad. Ju- the guy is just so incompetent, man. Like, it hurts my brain to try and put myself in the mind of Rob Manford. Yeah. Speaking of punishment, by the way, several thousand fans were in attendance at Target Center last night to watch the Timberwolves blow an 18-point lead to the Hornets. We're, lo- we're learning. We have, you know, we started a whole new group. You know, this week compared to last week, you know, five new guys. And I think that, uh, you know, give credit to Charlotte and what they did. Um, you know, they were aggressive with us in the second half. Um, and, you know, we didn't we didn't do enough things to come out with a victory. That was Ryan Saunders after the game. Yeah. So here's my question to you guys. How is it that and I know all those things he said, OK, like new. How is it that you can change your GM? You can change your coach. You can change 90 percent of your roster. And you're still blowing 18 point leads at home to the Charlotte Hornets. And I get the cat didn't play, but but you were up 18 without cat yes. in that game. Yep. And their whole thing post game was well, we're all so new. And Ryan was talking about the fact that there were players making switch calls that were from the previous team and calls that the Wolves don't have. The, the right idea. What do you mean, like uh, like they're using a different some, word than yes. switch? Somebody, somebody, or or more than one guy for a switch used the term red, and the Wolves don't have red. It's black. But they didn't know, so they are yelling out switch calls that the teammate would be like, Burgundy! Burgundy! Dude, what do you... Exactly. So that leads me to this question. Marigold! Taupe! Ivory! Ivory! (laughs) Blue-green! What's some other... One color, by the way. What's some other... Blue-green. Oh, is it? That's my favorite color in the box. That's my favorite crayon in the box. What was that, Judd? I'm sorry. What's some more obscure colors? Um, periwinkle. 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 That should be their new. I haven't seen. Jonathan probably has. I haven't seen the 64 crayon box in a long, long yep. time. They're I've always introducing new colors. Always introducing new colors yeah. in that thing. S- isn't, isn't Sienna? Sienna's a color. Oh, right? Sienna. Yeah. Yeah. Burnt yeah. Sienna. Burnt Sienna. You can't get that wrong. Also a stripper. 
In every club that you go to. Burnt? Or <laughs> no, just Sienna. Just Sienna, not she burnt Sienna. It depends on where she lives. <laughs> put, your hand, put your hands together for Sienna. All right, gentlemen. Sienna spent a little too much time in the tanning booth beforehand. He's burnt Sienna. So couldn't you have... Now, uh, the Wolves now have nine days off until they play again, because the All-Star game's on, what, Sunday? They play a week from Friday night against the Celtics. Couldn't you violate this CBA and tell the majority of the players, guys, second training camp, you're not going to Maui, you're not going home. Well, what if the players organize their own? You're staying. But it would be nice. All they talked about last night was, was the fact that they basically, because they're all so new, weren't on the same page. Wouldn't it be nice if they spent like the next eight days going through a mini training camp? Yeah. Well, That's it, what they need. Like, what are the rules? You can't have organized practices, right? But what if Gerson Rosa said, hey... Yeah, so you guys, uh, you guys gather if you want to. I think you could do it. Yeah, I mean, now, if you, you have to care enough to give right, up your vacation, exactly right. And they're all season. like, and they're all like, I'm going to go get some yeah, sun we're all, on the beach. We're all about this new. Uh, we love each yeah. other. We're all this new collection, but I need, I need to go take. Let's seven see. Days do off. I want to work on getting Sienna right, or do I want to work on <laughs> on going and sitting on a beach? I'll take the beach. But the the other thing about last night's game, and I listen, I'm bullish on Ryan Saunders and. I think he's one of the smarter NBA, smarter young NBA minds that you're going to find in the league. But what really bugged me is that lead is dwindling away. 18 points down to 16, down to 10. And I just feel like, I feel like body language is important, especially when you have a new collection here and you're trying to set a new culture and you're trying to set new standards for a new group of people. And I didn't love how often he was just apoplectic at the refs and throwing his hands up and... You know, I, I just feel like a little bit more stoicism from him will go a long way. I don't want players, and this is what my, this was my beef with Tom Thibodeau too. He did this in Chicago. You know, you're in, mo- you're going to be in all kinds of moments of close games and NBA crisis in the fourth quarter, right? The guy that's supposed to be setting the tone on the sidelines or the superstar player in Carl Anthony Towns, if those guys are constantly, whoa, you know, just, oh, arms up in the air and complaining to officials. You know, I'm not saying that Greg Popovich never did this or, you know, or that Phil Jackson never, Phil Jackson actually didn't. He just sat there and meditated for two and a half hours and didn't even call timeouts. But like, I don't want those guys looking over and seeing Ryan flipping out at officials and no, man, just a little more stoicism, I think would be helpful for, for this new group. Do you think, I don't know, I don't know exactly how to frame this question because I'm not saying that we should have been crushing Ryan Saunders all this time while the, the, the Timberwolves have been spiraling. But in a sense, have we been too easy on him? Because it's a fair question. Split, because he's young, because he's likable. It's a fair question. Have we maybe been a little bit too easy on him? Because I've talked a lot about the heat culture and why Jimmy Butler fits into that. Yeah. I mean, it all starts at the top. Like, Jimmy Butler fits in in Miami because at the top, you have a guy in Pat Riley who demands the most from all his employees, from Eric Spolster on down and everybody in between. And when somebody isn't doing that and somebody else in the organization, whether it's a teammate or a coach or he himself, telling you and holding you accountable that you're not doing everything you can to win a championship, and there is no getting offended. There is no egos. That starts at the top with Pat Riley. It trickles down to Eric Spolstra, and it trickles down through that roster. The attitude and and the direction of a team starts at the top. And we've now seen them blow a 27-point lead and an 18-point lead and nobody stepping up and showing some fight and putting their foot down and saying, this ain't happening on my watch in either instance. And we've seen two double-digit 
losing streaks. And neither time has there been anybody in that locker room who puts their foot down and says, this stops now, not on my watch. Is that a trickle down from the head coach? And I'm not putting him in the same class as Carl Anthony Towns, because I think Carl Anthony Towns is 100% equipped and knows what he needs to do to succeed and just chooses not to do it. I'm just saying Ryan Saunders, as a first-year head coach, as the youngest coach in the NBA, maybe he's just not equipped to deal with the adversity and the turbulence that this organization has gone through this season. I think he's probably not. So the the answer to your question is Ryan Saunders skating. I think to a certain degree he definitely is. Now, I think where it needs to end more now so is the personnel is now in place. Because the one thing is when you were trying, when you had all these guys shooting threes who couldn't shoot threes, there was a lot of, well, this isn't going to work. And by the way, we knew that. Now that you've got guys or more people that can shoot threes and can actually play their style, I, I think the bar for... Ryan Saunders as a coach does have to be raised some. I, I think that I think that's a very fair point. Ronnie. It is a it is a fair point, and it's it would also be highly unlikely that the youngest coach in decades in the NBA taking over and trying to set a new culture that he would have all the answers. Right? It is it is unlikely. So he's going to have to improve as well as a coach. Breaking news to our guy uh, Johnny Krasinski from the Athletic reporting: the Cat is now expected to miss multiple games next week because of the left wrist injury that kept him out oh. last night after the All Star break. So maybe this is maybe this is their way of tanking. It could it, this could be a sneaky way of tanking. We'll and, see. and Ryan Saunders yeah. thought he might win a game or two. In other news, when we come back to Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. In other news coming up shortly here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami, but TCL is the official TV of Mackie and Jeb with Rami and of the Score North Studios. In fact, we're reading an A.J. Hinch statement right now in beautiful 4K picture quality. You can see slime dripping off of it, actually. The slime dripping off of these Astro statements in 4K picture quality. All the better with these TCL TVs. Uh, you've got all kinds of sports viewing options, whether it's ESPN Plus or any of the major networks like Fox, like Big Ten Network. And then if you just want to watch movies and you want to watch non-sports things, you get 5,000 streaming channels built into these TCL TVs with that built-in Roku device, perfect for cord cutters. Right now, for me, it's Hulu, it's YouTube TV, it's Amazon Prime Video, and it's WWE Network and a couple others. And it's just great having fewer cords, fewer boxes, fewer everything. And TCL is the best TV for cord cutting. TCLUSA.com or any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Mackie and Judd with Rami in just one second. But first, win four tickets to Arnie's Cabin at this year's 3M Open through the Score North mobile app. Download the app, register your app, and enter to win tickets. Include tournament admission for Thursday, July 23rd. Access to a climate-controlled hospitality tent near the 18th Green and complimentary food and a full bar. For tickets to this year's 3M Open, visit 3MOpen.com. Derek Falvey joined MLB Network earlier today and talked about why now was the time to spend big in free agency, saying... Well, coming off a 101-win season last year, really a historic year for our franchise, something that we can be proud of, but we're not satisfied. We want to continue to get better and build off of that, and we want to go deep into the playoffs and give ourselves a chance to win a World Series. And we felt like in adding someone like Josh Donaldson, a a true difference maker uh, on the field, he helps improve our defense. He allows Miguel Sano to slide over to first base. We felt like across the board that when we when we went into the offseason, our plan was to invest in the 2020 club and beyond, and we feel like this is the right time to do it. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami and in other news.
In other news. Ah, yes. In other news, where we take a break from all that hard-hitting sports talk that we normally bring you here on Score North and take a look at some of the more weird and wacky news from around the world. And boy, do we need it today. In other news. Including from Oregon City. This post from the Oregon City Police Facebook page. Oregon City's nighttime nailer has been nailed. This morning at about 5.37 a.m., patrol officers caught 56-year-old Oregon City resident Brett Michael Wilson intentionally throwing nails from his vehicle onto South Center Street. We have dubbed Mr. Wilson as the nighttime nailer because over the last two years... Someone had been intentionally throwing roofing nails onto local streets, primarily in the early morning hours while it was still dark outside. Some of the thrown nails did cause damage to motorist tires. Luckily, no one was injured. Over the last week, Mr. Wilson has thrown nails out on both South Center Street. Uh, I don't need to give you all the streets of the times. When Mr. Wilson was stopped this morning, he admitted to intentionally throwing nails on the street. Mr. Wilson. What is this, Dennis the Menace? Not only in Oregon City, but throughout the metropolitan area. Mr. Wilson was throwing nails out. By Mr. Wilson's recollection, he has thrown nails over 50 times onto busy streets over the last two years. This morning, Mr. Wilson was lodged at the Clackamas County Jail on four counts of disorderly <laughs> conduct. Me, was, Try that again. <laughs> was that jail again? Clackamas? Oh, okay. C-L-A-C-K-A-M-A-S? That's a tricky one. Um, and apparently, <laughs> apparently, he was doing no. this because of road rage. This was all a road rage incident. So this guy's just sitting there with like a bag of Wilson's, carpenter nails or something? Wilson's early morning ritual, always done before sunrise so as to avoid detection, was in response to drivers he felt were rude or had slighted him, Brock said. It was his form of anger management. It made him feel better. It doesn't make a whole lot of Dude. sense, but that's what he said. He called it random acts of kindness. <laughs> <laughs> what? I gotta say, like, I respect the dedication that this guy has. Are you on board with this? You, I thought you were gonna say you're I'm on board. Not, I'm not on board with his actions. Okay. But A, the pettiness, man. That's a level of petty. That's a level, that's a level of road rage pettiness that is hard to achieve. Let's be real. And the dedication. This dude, think about what this took. This guy was going to the hardware store, he was buying roofing nails. He was waking up before the sun cracked. He was going on routes and dropping... Like, this took dedication. This took planning and dedication on the part of the nighttime nailer. I feel... How... how, Do we have... Maybe you said this. How long has the nighttime nailer... Two years. Two years? Two years. Over 50 times over the last two years. You know, have you guys ever seen... What's that Jake Gyllenhaal movie about the... Oh, Nightcrawler? No, that's another... Cre- Jake Gyllenhaal's oh, in like nine creepy movie. movies. That's a great movie, yeah. Nightcrawler's great. No, the San Francisco serial oh, Zodiac. killer. Zodiac. Yeah. Can we get Jake Gyllenhaal to star in this? <laughs> the, nighttime the Nighttime Nailer. Feels like a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. That sounds like a different kind of movie. <laughs> that's what I thought. I was going to say, where, where was that going? Like a very different movie. <laughs> Hello, I'm the Nighttime Nailer. <laughs> that movie stars Peter North, actually. Exactly. In other news. Or Joy Silvera. Another great actor of our time. John Doe. John Doe. I got them all memorized. John Doe. John Doe was... uh, Who was the second one? Joey Silvera. It was Peter North, Joey Silvera, John Doe, who I believe has passed away. Why do you know all the dude's names? (laughs) That's what I was wondering. 
because they, because and I don't mean this in the way it's going to sound. They're the ones that last. <laughs> The actresses, well, I won't say it. In other news. <laughs> what? Career longevity, right? <laughs> wow. They're the ones that wow. last. It's all about career longevity. <laughs> In other news. In other news. <laughs> this is from BustedCoverage.com. I'm going to have to find a way to word this. <laughs> Poor Reese McGuire, the Blue Jays catcher who was arrested last week for indecent exposure in Dunedin, Florida, mm-hmm. in a parking lot. Dunedin is also coincidentally where Judd Zolgad has done a lot of I love spring Dunedin. vacationing. Yes, and I know exactly where this mall is. Not only did the guy get arrested, but the arrest report all over this has been released, and now we know that he was not just your normal indecent exposure. He was... How shall I say it? Enjoying himself. Yeah, I think that's fair. With adult videos on his phone. According to the WFLA police report, cops found McGuire at 2 p.m. in the middle of the afternoon last Friday, naked from the waist down. And there is an extremely adultish video on his cell phone. Quote from McGuire. I really shouldn't have been doing that, he told cops when you asked think? why his pants were down. In other news. Yeah, probably not, dude. Probably not. So, here, I, I can't even, there's there's more to the story that I can't read without no, getting in trouble on the radio. You have to find just, a way. All right, all right, all right. Be creative. All right. More from TMZ. They have more details okay. here. Okay. And I have a lot of questions that need to be asked. All right. TMZ always has more details. They claim in the report. But by the way, why does TMZ have more details of like the third string catcher on the? Because they're TMZ. Okay. Because they got the money. Yep, exactly. And they're willing to spend it. TMZ claims in the report when uh, the cops got to McGuire and they pulled him out of the car that he had a very apparent. <laughs> he was very excited still. <laughs> ah. When he got out of the car okay. to speak with police officers. Right. So I think my, my question is, did police officers sneak up at him in a parking lot at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in broad daylight? And he didn't have time to like, and, you know, put the phone, put the phone on call, lock or something? Who called them and what did they see? He, had, he was in the car, right? I mean, it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No, I know. But like you, I want to know how this all happened. <laughs> you're really like you're walking like you're walking by the car do you like look into the car yeah, somebody called the cops on him right right but i'm saying did somebody like was his head tilted back and they saw and they're like i'm gonna call the cops <laughs> like think about did he have his o face going yeah on? That's what exactly what's happening Ew. like what would yeah I know exactly where that mall is. That's a great area of town, by the way. gorgeous. Is that, from what you know about that mall, would it be easy or difficult to attempt to do what he was doing without being caught? Well, at that hour of the afternoon, I would it would look odd, but unless the door, if the door of the car is closed, I've got questions. I have about a question. Now, what, what they saw. None of, I'm not saying if we were doing what this guy was doing, but let's just say you're in an excited state and the police. For some reason, you now have to interact with the well. police. 
How long do you think before, you know, you're not so excited anymore? How long are you just standing there talking to them? I think it's fair to say that for at least five or ten minutes, you'd still be partially excited. Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh God. In other news... Well, hold on a second. That's awkward. Hold on. That's awkward. If you're, especially if you're the police officer. Yeah. Like, you know. Although, if they, if they did ask you to walk in a straight line, at least you'd have a compass. <laughs> Told you it wasn't. And then watch out. Goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> In other news, the could be off though. I've seen that in some of the movies Judd was talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just keep in playing that news. It's gonna take us a while. <laughs> now, now the good the good news is this young man was not driving his car, which, if I'm not mistaken, the late Eddie Griffin who played for the Wolves. Phil, didn't he crash his car outside yeah. Santana's? Yeah, off uh, university while doing that and driving. Uh, right. Yes, he was by himself. Yeah, I think so. And he was driving oh, yeah. and watching. He was watching an adult film in his car it, at it, that time on some type of television. Dude, what? It, it was on an LED screen. I think maybe even on his on his wheel, like on the okay. where the horn would be. But he's driving, and uh, and so he crashes it like into a pole of some kind. And he gets out of the car, and he's he's like kind of freaked out and panicked. And he, I believe the story is he went into Mister Santana yeah, grocery, Mr. Sand, yep. and he like spilled his guts to like the guy who works there or something. <laughs> keep your keep, keep your keep your composure. He dude. tragically died a few years after the car accident. Yeah. But. All right, over to Judd. We okay now? Yeah, I'm good. Everyone okay? Jonathan, J- Jonathan's right? okay. He's so so. A group of thieves in Utah failed to make off with an ATM early Saturday despite uh, smashing the money machine to pieces with stolen, quote, heavy equipment, investigators said. The botched robbery unfolded at a Wells Fargo bank just after 4 a.m. in Hurricane, a city in southwestern Utah, police said in a news release. The suspects triggered several thousand dollars in damage in their attempt to rip out the ATM using a stolen truck, a trailer, and heavy equipment, (laughs) cops said. They did not elaborate on what the heavy equipment exactly was, and this doesn't make for great radio, but I'm going to turn this towards you guys and show you what the ATM looked like by the time they were done with it. Can you... How would you describe that? Oh, my God. It is beyond destroyed. (laughs) But they didn't get to the money, did they? No. Well, wait. They did. It looks like it blew up, though. The ATM looks like it's blown up. Pictures from the scene showed pieces of the ATM at the bank's drive-thru service strewn around the area, that's accurate, along with panels from the overhang above. Unable to remove the machine, the suspects sped away and crashed the truck a short distance from the bank, police said. Despite efforts from officers and canines to search the area, they did not immediately find the suspects. Detectives were following several leads as part of the ongoing investigation. Meanwhile, all the stolen property was recovered at the crash site and returned to its owners. Okay, don't you think the companies... Looks like they blew this up, though. Well, that's the thing. Don't you think the companies that put ATMs... Outside of banks and in public places, don't you think they've thought through this thing? Like that, somebody, that, that there are that somebody might try and drive off with yeah, the yeah. ATM machine. You know, yeah. if, we put, if we put this big box with hundreds and thousands of dollars in cash in it, maybe we should make sure it's secure to the ground and maybe even underneath the concrete. Like they're probably thinking about this. That. Was a Breaking Bad episode? Remember? You remember that episode, Judd? 
when that guy owes Jesse money, oh, yeah, and the yeah. guy says, I'll get you your money, man, but I need your help, and he takes him back to his apartment, and he has this ATM there that he stole that he's been trying to get into for weeks <laughs> with a sledgehammer and a crowbar. Guaranteed that's the inspiration for this. In other news... Spoiler alert, the uh, ATM machine fell on the dude, crushed his head, and he died. Uh, guys, I don't know what to believe anymore after reading this story in other news. In an interview with H3 Podcast, Papa John Schnatter appeared to change his tune when it came to his slice record. I didn't say I'd eaten 40 pizzas in 30 days. I said that I had 40 pizzas in 30 days. When I said I had a pizza, this means I'm inspecting. I'm not eating every pizza. I may be eating parts of pizzas. The disgraced former leader says he currently only eats about eight or nine slices a week, though when he was still with his company, he was eating closer to 12 or 15. (laughs) This means at most he was eating only one and a half pizzas per week or six a month, which is far from 40. Uh, Like I said, if we can't believe a disgraced, racist, former pizza CEO, guys, who can we believe when they tell us how many pizzas they've eaten? So do you feel like he is... Even more disgraced now that he has Dude, come this clean. This is so weird. Like to to get fired from your pizza company and to feel the need to keep inspecting their pizzas. This is the pizza equivalent of the dude who keeps going to check his ex's Facebook page or all her social media posts and is trying to keep up with her and see what she's doing with her life. I think he got so much heat for that statement that he's dialing it back, and now he's lying. Because look at how he, he looks. looks like he's he, eating yes. 40 pizzas in I, 30 days. I think he got heat for it and was like, oh, no, 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 I didn't do that. I think he did it. That's my guess. Go Big Papa did it. I don't know, man. I don't know. He doesn't look fat enough to eat. 40 he looks, did you see his face? After he looks that, red and greasy enough, though. Yeah, he looks like he, he, likes, he looks like the grease. He, is start, like, he started turning into a Papa John's yep, pizza. That's what I thought too. <laughs> do you think if he if he did indeed eat the forty pizzas in thirty days? Do you think he also went with the the garlic dipping sauce Wouldn't and the, the pepperoni? Wouldn't you? Do you think you could eat forty pizzas in thirty days? No. Like if you like no. not just for dinner. And it doesn't have to be the same pizza every time. Like you could have pizza for breakfast, lunch, forty and thirty. I might be able to do 30 and 30. Like my, I, I, my body would revolt. I love a good breakfast pizza. You ever yeah. had a good breakfast oh, pizza? Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm with you, Rami. Dude, I just think, or I don't Like know. we were talking about last week, pizza with like a salad or some greens Could on top Could you do 30 pizzas in 30 days if, if that's, to Rami's point, all you ate throughout the course of the day? There is a difference between 30 and 40. Like, I couldn't do 40. I could do 30. But here's the, you ever see that documentary where... Athlete Challenge. Super, athlete Challenge, yeah. <laughs> super Size Me. Super Size Me. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's McDonald's for every meal. Like yeah, if you ate, it's just getting sick. If you ate 40 pizzas in 30 days, basically every meal... Yeah, that's a good point. Like 80% of your meals would be pizza. You might have a heart attack. I think I could do it. I don't know, man. In other news... Are there any pizza chains out there that want to sponsor this Scoredorth Athlete Challenge? <laughs> get at, I'll get, get a try. It's yeah. Robbie Maklov here, and I died last night. Hey, the, the next one here, it's a, it's a little bit of a visual that I'll explain for the audience here, but it's more of a, it's more of a question about airplane etiquette here. So a woman named Wendy, do you see this? A, this. a, a woman named Wendy <laughs> tweeted this video, a selfie video of her on the back of an American airline flight. And she tweeted this to uh, Bravo Andy, Andy as uh, Andy Cohen or whatever from, uh, yep. and he's got millions of followers. So he retweets it. Yep. And uh, it's a, it's a selfie video of her. And she writes in the tweet, this man behind me on the American Airlines flight was mad that I reclined my seat and punched it nine times hard, at which point I began videoing him, 
And then he resigned to this behavior. And this video is 60 seconds of him just jabbing, rapid-fire jabbing the back of her seat. So so he's in the back row. He can't recline. She's in front of him and has reclined her seat into him, giving him even less space. And uh, my question to you guys is, do you side with the woman who is being abused and took the video or the guy that is now crunched in the back row of an American airline? Did you see my tweet about this yesterday? Uh Uh-uh. It is possible everybody in this is an a-hole. Like, we don't have to pick sides and act like one of these people is a good person. They're probably both terrible. Like, who re- <laughs> who reclines their chair on an airplane? And who, what kind of grown man responds by punching the back of a seat for 90 seconds repeatedly? Like, you're both terrible people. I hope bad things happen to both of you. I don't, I don't have to take a side in this thing. The key in this case is to jam your knees into the seat in front of you before they, they recline so that when they recline, you, your knees stop. Why do it. airplane seats even recline uh, that, when there isn't room to recline? We do not have time for that today. I think we should get to it tomorrow because it's a great question. See you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.